Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 480 with Ian Redshaw. You could be the biggest fish in the pond, right? Or you can be a medium-sized fish living in, you know, an ecosystem that's thriving. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. What's sorcery? Sorcery is AP automation, digital invoicing, and time and money saved. That's sorcery. Sorcery allows you to streamline and digitize your entire accounts payable operation. Digital invoicing backed with human verification will save you countless hours of work and increase AP accuracy. Say goodbye to your file cabinets and enter the digital world. Go to GetSorcery.com, that's G-E-T-S-O-U-R-C-E-R-Y.com, or call 1-866-830-0691. And if you mention Restaurant Unstoppable, you will receive 10% off your first three months with no setup fees. There is no time to waste in the restaurant business, especially when an opportunity comes up and you need extra capital. Cabbage created a simple, flexible way to get a line of credit of up to $150,000, apply online, and get a decision right away. Withdraw funds when you need them without reapplying. Cabbage has helped over 100,000 small businesses. Get started at cabbage.com slash unstoppable you can get a $50 gift card when you qualify that's cabbage with a k line of credit is subject to credit approval see terms and conditions all cabbage business loans are issued by celtic bank a utah chartered industrial bank member fdic with excitement allow me to introduce to you today's guest ian redshaw my man ian are you feeling unstoppable today oh always always yes so ian redshaw is a graduate of the culinary institute of america after a couple of years in new york redshaw made the move to charlottesville virginia where he quickly got to work in some of the city's finest restaurants in 2013 at tavla restaurant he met future business partners mitchell barons lauren mendoza and andrew cole and shelly rob and the vision for their own restaurant came into focus. In 2014, Lampo Pizza opened. Three years later, they started working on their second location, Prime 109, which is charted to open this summer. I can't wait to dive into your story and to find out how you guys got to where you are today and how you've transformed over this time. But let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. Take it away. Oh, all right. So uh, kind of one of my mantras that I that I grabbed when I was on my internship at the Culinary Institute of America from um, a chef named Scott Switzer was, uh, you get to determine what type of fish you're going to be in, what type of pond you're going to be in. And so the question that he always asked me is, what type of fish are you going to be? Mm. Um, so that, that has resounded throughout my career um, as a professional. Uh, of You really get to choose what type of situation you want to be in. Um, and you really get to determine um, what, ty- what type of uh, role you want to play in that situation. Yes. You know, if you want to be the big chef, if you want to just be, you know, a catering chef who does, who does a really great job and enjoys your time, it just really depends on, um, you know, what your, uh, what your status in life is and what you want it to be. Yes, man. What a great way to get this thing started. Uh, and you know, 
it's such an important thing to know that we have control over our mind. We are such a victim of our mind sometimes and we let just the world happen to us and we're so reactive to the world. But when we know that we get to influence our, you know, our future, our outcome, we get to act on the world and really control our destiny. Just knowing that is so powerful, man. And I think that's kind of the message behind that is, you know, live intentionally, know that you, you, you determine right. what happens. Right. Right. Awesome. Yeah. Do you want to reflect on that? Or are you ready to roll right into where oh, else are let's, you? let's roll right, in, right, right on into it. Sweet. So when did you know that this was going to be your career? Like when did you know that this is, this is your path? Uh, one of my first like uh, childhood memories that I can still pull to this day is uh, watching Iron Chef on PBS back when it was, um, you know, uh, Chinese, Italian and Japanese, you know, really old school, only subtitles. And uh, one of my favorite memories is that I walked upstairs and said, Dad, I want to be a chef. And so he pulled out tempura batter and taught me how to do tempura on a walk. And I was probably like four or five years old. Nice. Um, And, you know, when everybody was saying that they wanted to be, you know, uh, baseball players or lawyers or this or that, uh, it was always cooking for me. Nice, man. So. Uh, anything like between this, this is a really early point in your life to when you got right. to CIA, that was kind of a transformative <clears throat> moment for you or a time where that kind of helped you get to the next level. Right. Um, so I started cooking, uh, in, in a professional kitchen at 13. Uh, my brother was working at a restaurant as a server, got me in as a dishwasher, uh, quickly, quickly, um, reached out to the chef about my intentions of becoming a chef in, in the future. Um, and he was a, a uh, little French man named Paul Lubignon. And uh, he owned a restaurant called Nancy's Landing in Waconia, Minnesota. Um, and I would go in before school, after school, just anything that I could to um, to learn those basics. Like uh, he taught me chafouad work and like how to tourne potatoes and do all that stuff well before the culinary so that when I walked in, um, it was honing skills, not necessarily learning them. Um, so that was really important for me. Um, was to get that, that mentorship role right away um, where like, you know, a 13, 14 year old kid was willing to get up at 6am in the morning to go and to peel green beans and, and, you know, do sugar snaps and stuff like that. Nice. So I say it all the time when it's important to learn the basics on, you know, how to do the job, but what did he teach you about how to be, what did he give you oh. as far as values? Give us a lesson there. Um, well, <laughs> so I definitely learned a lot about how I wanted uh, a kitchen to be. And, um, it was very much brigade system. Um, which, which was really great, um, him being French and, uh, learning that. But, um, I learned, I learned to, um, kind of be intentional, like you were saying, you know, really focus on, uh, my relationships with people and understanding that, you know, uh, you may be a fry cook now, but you know, where are you going to be in 10 or 15 years? You could be the best chef in the world. And you know, that, um, that connection isn't something that you should ever pass up and everybody has something to offer. Nice, dude. So when did you make the decision to go to CIA? In a, in um, let's see. I think I was, uh, I was 17. Um, you know, I, I was going through the whole college process of looking at schools to uh, start with. And really, I just wasn't interested during any of the, um, you know, visits when I'd go and see the dorms and all the stuff. And, you know, nothing was really capturing my eye. Um, and I got a, a letter in the mail from CIA. Um, informing me that I had been accepted. And, uh, so I, I was just from that moment on, I just, I just knew I stopped looking at any of the other stuff, you know, um, and just focused on that. Uh, and I graduated from high school on the 17th and I was at the culinary the 28th. 
So you were at the Culinary Institute from 2007 to 2009. Uh, any, right. any big aha moments, any, major points in that time a lot of people say they just learn a lot about the basics they don't really learn a lot about business but what about you did you have did you have any like people that really influenced you during this time um one of one of my uh one of the my mentors there was uh joe depaula um and he was he was pretty integral um you know i was at the point where you know i saw all of these celebrity chefs doing their thing and i could have you know been like oh this is what i want to be and um he just focused on uh you know, his family and cooking. And that was really, really big. Um, so I learned that, you know, there was more to just the restaurant world than being a, a star chef. It's, it's about who you are and that's how people, um, see you as a star. Mm, man, that's so true. Uh, that's a good lesson to learn, dude. Uh, so what, what do you like? Who do you want to be when you say who you are? Like what, what was the person in your, in your mind, the person that you were envisioning um, you wanting, you wanting to become? Well, I think that's uh, something that's pretty big in the uh, conversation that we're going to have about uh, the restaurant that we're opening. It's it's about community. It's about um, I, I want to be a community leader, and I can do that by you know um, like uh, working with all the community farmers and really taking it beyond you know just the bottom line of the restaurant. And you know, like uh, we always do stuff with the Blue Ridge Community Food Bank, and it's it's the people in the community that matter because they're the ones who are going to come ninety percent of the time. So. Um, never, never, uh, never putting less faith in your regulars than you are the people who are going to make a reservation and spend, you know, $600 in a night. That's great. I, I, I'm really, uh, akin to the community person who's coming in and spending $15, 200 times a year. Nice dude. And that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned. The people who really make it in this industry aren't thinking about themselves. They're thinking about everyone else and the, the impact I can have on others and the, the, the message I want to deliver. Uh, not just like, I feel like it's a, a lot of people who get into this industry who fail are always thinking about that self image. Uh, you know, it's right. about me and that's just such an awful way to look at it. So thank you for going there. Um, so yeah. let's, let's bring it to, uh, graduating CIA. Uh, you're in New York for a couple of years. Like when, like, did you, right. when did you have a plan to like, you know, what, why were you choosing these jobs? Like, take us through that thought, that thought process. Um, so, uh, I went out to, um, Montauk out at the end of long Island and I spent a season out there, um, which was an amazing experience. I wouldn't have given it up for the world, but I realized that I in no way wanted to ever be a corporate chef. Um, never wanted to work with a corporation again. Um, why is that? They were a fantastic company. Uh, it's just, uh, I guess I'm, I'm more, more attuned to wanting to work with a small group of people than necessarily working with, you know, 200 people that you may never see. Mm. Um, and, uh, there's a lot of communication breakdowns and and that type of stuff, uh, where I would just prefer to, um, you know, run one thing really, really well, uh, go on to a next thing and, and build a community of chefs that, you know, I can stick with and make sure that, um, really vet them into a situation where I, I can walk away and be like, this is going to run exactly the way that, you know, we wanted it to, because we trained them the way that we wanted to. We made sure that that's what they wanted. You know, like if, if you don't want to be the chef of a pizza spot, you're not going to stay the chef of a pizza spot. You know what I mean? But if you really love pizza and put the time into it, then, you know, in a couple of years, there's no reason for you not to take over. Oh man, I love it. Um, so what did you learn that was good from that experience? I mean, I think I'm, I'm kind of um, right there with you. I love those impactful transformative relationships. Yeah. We really yeah I, th- I think somebody. that, um, the GM constantly said a fish thinks from the head down, mm. um, while complaining about things at the restaurant, um, or at the hotel. And that for me, um, was kind of like a, 
uh, hypocritical thing, and I never wanted to be that. Wait, 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 um, wait. So you learn from a chef that uh, fish uh, from the, the head. The, G, the GM, at constantly, this- his, his mantra at that spot was uh, the fish stinks from the head down and then would complain about everything. Uh, <laughs> so it's just like one of those negative situations where you're like, but didn't you just? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, that, that became, uh, pretty, pretty tough, but, um, again, a wonderful company, uh, to work for while I was there, but just those communication breakdowns and, uh, the large format wasn't for me. Uh, I hear you. I'm, I'm more hands-on. So you made the move to Charlottesville in 2011 after two years in New York. Uh, you worked at a couple of restaurants, uh, before meeting your business partners. Uh, I want to spend the majority. I'm trying to be better about spending the majority right. of our conversations on, uh, like the current day and the, in the transformation of opening your own business. But what were some of the key moments for you on uh, some of these restaurants that you worked? Some of the, the biggest lessons um, you've learned reflecting back. Oh, I mean, um, Working for Francesco Butoni at Mercado in Red Hook, New York, um, he was he was another one of my my very impactful mentors. Um, yeah, um, so he he taught me that lies have little feet and won't take you very far. Um, he used it in the sense of food. Um, you know, if you take corners and mm-hmm. cut corners, they aren't going to get you very far. Okay, um, but that also resounds everywhere in the kitchen. You know, if you said you clean something and it's not clean, it's like, oh, okay, well, now, <laughs> I, now I can't trust you. You know. Um, but, but at the end of the day, it was, uh, it was, uh, in reference to ingredients and, you know, just saying, using the truth in menu and really, um, cultivating that artisanal aspect. You know, my, my job as a chef is to take things, um, that are really beautiful and try not to fuck them up, you know? Mm, I like it. So, um, what about business? Any, at any time at any of these restaurants reflecting on some of the people you work for, some of the business minds, what do you learn about operating a business? that um, business. Um, I mean, uh, once I started working in the smaller restaurants, I realized that, um, the way that you treated your employees and the time that you afforded them and, you know, like really being compassionate towards them was, was the key. Um, that was something that Francesco and Michelle did at their restaurant. Um, it's something that, uh, when I moved down here to, uh, Virginia, they did at L'Etoile. Um, and really after working at a corporate place and then seeing that, like there was no going back for me because that compassionate side of the business, um, because we are all in the hospitality industry, you know, whether it's, um, you know, opening doors or, uh, you know, cooking somebody food, washing dishes, everybody is, is integral. Like you can't focus, you can't, uh, run without them. What, what do you think is going um, on there so that, that in, the, in the corporate setting, there seems to be less compassion. I mean, that's what I'm picking up from you. Uh, what, what's happening in these big organizations versus these smaller organizations, in your opinion, that allows people to be less compassionate? Um, I think it's more of a bottom line type of thing. Um, you know, like the bottom line is more important than people sometimes. And, uh, you know, in a smaller operation, that's not necessarily the case ever, um, okay. which is, is something that I appreciate. So get specific. Give, give me an example of when one of these mentors of you, these people that you admired, give me a story of how they were compassionate. Get grainy. Um, well, uh, here's, here's a, here's a pretty, um, pretty easy one. Um, you know, one of, one of my uh, work partners was, uh, was stuck out, um, you know, like an hour North of Red Hook, which, you know, puts you almost near Albany without a car. And when you're driving on 30, is it 35? I don't know. <laughs> when you're driving on one of those big highways up there, you know, nobody's going to, not, not many people are going to stop for you. And, you know, Francesco being the amazing person that he did hopped in his car, went and picked that person up, you know, and brought him to work so that they could make it to work that day, you know? Yes, um, dude. And so, you know, in a corporate yes. setting, it's like a no call, no show, you know, get here where you can, or, you know, either way you're going to get reprimanded or written up. Um, 
where that chef took, you know, two hours out of his day to make sure that somebody was, you know, where they needed to be at the right time. Yes, man. It brings me back to, we had just recently had Mike Milan on the show and he started a whole business around compassion of, of being, um, he was a, a, what's it called? Uh, basically a staffing agency, but all he did was solve problems for people. He used compassion to solve people's right. problems that make sure that, that he could be there to help them to get to work. That's all he did. He just helped people get to work. Uh, and he solved the problems that you, you can't find a babysitter. We'll have a Rolodex. You know, you, right. you, you can't get a ride. Well, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll, we'll come get you. We'll, we'll make sure we'll have a spare car at all times. You know, right. it's just being there and caring for your people. Is so, so powerful. Um, so let's kind of move forward uh, to the time where you start, thinking about where am, where am I going to work? Why am I going to work here? Were you just taking jobs? Were you taking jobs sp- specifically to learn specific lessons and, and knowledge or what was going on in there? Um, I was searching for people who were following through with what they said they were going to, I guess. Um, you know, like Integrity. the little, little lies take you very, very little. Um, you know, it still rings true today. So I worked with people who, you know, I can count on, I can trust, um, you know, who, if I needed something would, you know, drop, drop everything that they were doing to do it. Um, you know, I mean, that's what you're looking for, but I think that the lesson there is, you know, as owners, like that's what we need to put out there. Cause that's what people right. are looking for. You know, like what's my reputation? Right. What are people saying about me? Do I have integrity? Am I following through with what I'm, what I'm saying I'm going to yeah. do? I mean, that's so powerful. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean like even, even with partners, that was, that was big. Um, you know, uh, Last year, my wife lost her hand in an accident. Oh man! Um, and uh, I mean, they were they were there for me, just like the whole community was, and uh, that spoke volumes to us as a family. So. Oh man! Uh, well, I'm sorry to hear that, but it's it's great to hear that people were there for you. Uh, it, it's it's just you can't put enough weight on that. It's so valuable. Right. So. Right. Um, take us to the point where you are now, like when did the vision for your own place come into the frame? Was it not until meeting these partners? Like take us through that. Um, honestly, like I was looking at real small, um, you know, just starting out with like a panini shop type of thing. Um, and you know, I started working with them and I was at the point where, you know, I could take over the restaurant or they had brought me in really, um, you know, I, had gone from being the chef de cuisine at a restaurant to working garmage at Tavla. Um, just to work with these guys and see, you know, really what was going on. Um, because, you know, they weren't sure what they were going to be doing. So I had an opportunity to be working with them in any capacity or, you know, take over as chef of, you know, Tavla. Um, and, uh, just, you know, sitting there and thinking at night, you know, is the juice worth the squeeze? You know, if I yeah. stay here and cook pasta or, which I really love, you know, every day I love it. Um, or do we, you know, scrape together all of our, our nickels and dimes, um, which was really, um, you know, it was, it was mostly the other guys doing that. Uh, I was really here as a uh, working partner, you know, doing menu stuff because uh, me and my wife had just gotten married. I was still pretty young and, and didn't have a whole lot of capital. Um, so it was really nice to, you know, kind of be in a junior mentor type of situation there where they really, um, they were really able to put time and, and effort into, into me. And um, they taught me a lot about the business before we started our next project, which, which was really actually pretty important to my career as well. So you're, when you're talking about them, you're talking about your business partners, Mitchell, Lauren, and Andrew, Andrew and Shelley. Shelley. So yeah. were they there when you came on board at Tavola? Yep. They were, they were all there. Um, and I, uh, I, I, I was pretty much the last person to come into that group. Um, so, uh, and I mean, 
they have an enormous amount of experience around town. Um, their, their report around town. Um, I mean, if you say any of their names, people just, you know, scream accolades. Uh, so, uh, teaming up that, that was, that, that's probably another part of the section, but, um, teaming up with them and allowing, you know, my weaknesses to become strengths in other people, um, is, is probably one of the reasons why we're successful. Um, and when taking on investors and partners, giving up that control is really freeing actually, um, to know that you have somebody that you can count on that you're not the only person doing, um, so much. And I think that's why in our industry, a lot of, uh, chefs are, are driven to, you know, frustration, anger, uh, substance abuse, et cetera. Um, because they take on too much, um, but really spreading it out and using that whole team mentality and community mentality and the restaurant as, as well as in the community, like it, it really, like it screams true to, to a restaurant like this, where you see everybody who works for that company wanting to make that company better. Yes, man. So when you came on to, I'm curious when you came onto this team, was it that compassion? Was it that reputation? What was it about Tavola that made you say, this is the restaurant I want to work at? Was it somebody you knew? Um, it, it was, it was Lauren and, and Mitchell and, and Andrew that I had met prior. Um, I hadn't met Shelly until we actually started working together, but they would come in for brunch on Sundays. And, um, you know, Lauren, Lauren, me and Lauren started talking over the fact that I could poach an egg properly. You know, he had to drive to <laughs> Richmond to find somebody who could poach an egg properly. And he was just like, it's so nice that I can actually just like poach an egg. And it, it and it's like, it comes out the way that I asked for it. Like not many people these days know how to do, um, you know, egg orders, Yeah, you know, to go into a small 30 seat restaurant for brunch and to, to get your eggs done that way was, was really cool for him. So did they come right out and say like, we want you to work for us or do they steal you or is it just um, the way the, the, the acknowledgement, the well, recognition they gave you? They you said, don't steal anybody. Everybody's always up, always fair game. Yeah, um, yeah. but, uh, you know, um, I, I was, I was at a point, um, It'll come up later. I'm sure uh, knowing your demographic is, is also a huge part of being uh, a mentor and, and being a, a business owner. What do you mean uh, by that? So, like your business demographic or your, the people you surround uh, yourself with in, inside? Both. Okay. Both. Um, well, I was at L'Etoile. I was trying to do all this avant-garde food because it was, you know, this French place and people would come in and all they really wanted was shrimp and grits. Um, and, you know, I was doing tuna carpaccio with foie gras and, you know, fried fish roe and, you know. So you, you were like, doing the food you wanted to do. I was doing the food that, you know, in New York, everybody was loving and everybody, yeah. you know, and, uh, you know, five years later when, you know, we opened this spot up, I did them again and people enjoyed them. Okay. So it's a matter of you finding the, the business that's the right fit for maybe either your strengths or your interests <clears throat> as a chef. Well, and, and knowing, you know, where you're working, if I'm working at a French restaurant, yeah, all of those like avant-garde, you know, Paul Louvrant style, um, you know, foods are, are really great and impactful, but you know, sometimes people just want cassoulet and, um, or, or like, like here, they just want, they just want some pizza. Okay. So um, I guess I'm a little lost as to why we made this jump on demographics. What was it about that, that comment that tied into the conversation? Oh, Sorry. Um, so, so, uh, a big part of being a successful chef for me was understanding that well, I wanted to do those things, that may not be what the people in the area wanted at that time. And what were those things that you were talking about again? Um, like the more avant-garde stuff. They wanted, you know, the soulful comfort okay. food that was shrimp and grits. Um, and while I could spend my time ripping my hair out, um, you know, doing fancy menus, they just wanted the shrimp and grits. Okay. Um, 
so when I met Lauren and, and, and those guys and they, they like were very excited about the technical aspects of my cooking. Um, it was really nice to come in and work with them at Tabla because, you know, they had just lost, they had just lost one of their chefs and, you know, Lauren was just like, I know that it's not necessarily a position that you want to take, but, um, we could have a lot of fun working together. And, you know, I see that you're, you're in a spot where you're not necessarily getting to do what you want to do and you're frustrated and, you know, this is an opportunity for you to do something different. Um, and so I took it. Uh, and that's what made my jump to Tabla. It Dude, was there's a lesson me. there too. Just paying attention to having that emotional intelligence to, right. to be out there in the industry, in your community, seeing people, do they look happy? Are they talented? Do we have an opportunity for them? And just being someone's opportunity, right. dude. Right. I love yeah. that. Um, I, I think that Lauren is, is one of the best chefs in the area. Um, because of that, uh, he really takes the time to build a team. Um, and he, he's mindful about it. He just, he's not just like, Oh, well, I mean, you'll work for now. You'll work for now. He's looking at, he's intentional, dude. He's always, that's yeah. another lesson. You always be building your team. You never know right. where that next person is going to be. And don't just settle with heart rates, you know, or heartbeats. Like who's the right. right person for what we're trying to do. Get them on your team. Uh, right. awesome. And so you went over there, you're, you're working with, what was it about this team? You said that they, and I love that you went here and I want to put more emphasis on this, the whole idea yeah. of, uh, knowing your strengths and recognizing their strengths and knowing that they have strengths that you're missing uh, and right. knowing that like you don't have to do it all. Um, you can have your vertical, have the one thing you're really good at, become super great at that one thing, become attractive because you're good at that one right. thing. And now you're a benefit to somebody else. So right. have your vertical, know your lane, crush your lane, and then you're going to become a person of value. Somebody's going to need what you have and they're going to have what you need. So go there right. and don't stress yourself out with having to try to do it all. Right. Right. So, so what were their strengths? Well, what, 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 let me ask you this. What were your weaknesses? Uh, my weaknesses, <laughs> I've got plenty of them. Um, I tend to get focused on uh, the whimsical aspect of something more than I should, um, where that's really great because, you know, Mitchell and Lauren are, are kind of grounded in that, in that aspect. Um, but I'm also really technical with uh, meat and butchery and, you know, those aspects. So, you know, at Tabla, I was doing a lot of charcuterie um, and salumis and that type of stuff and, and got into dry aging meat, which is, uh, become my main passion and breaking beef and, and cutting it down, um, which is what led to our next project. Um, but having, having the, um, the time and that I could, you know, be like, I really want to work on this. And they just were like all for it all the time. Um, which was really nice. Um, and then, and then Lauren, Lauren is, like the best negotiator I've ever seen. Literally like I'll be on the, I'll, I'll be on a call um, with him with, with a couple of reps and you know, he's, he's just working. He's talking to him, um, you know, like they would talk to any other chef and he's really um, taking those points to realize that, you know, if you can, if you can talk people down, if you can, you know, do the, do the front end work that you can focus on people on the back end, you know, if you talk them down and focus on the front end work, you can focus on the people in the back end. I don't quite understand what you mean by that. Um, if, if you're getting the ingredients in at a cheaper price because you as a chef are, are negotiating better, that you can treat your staff better in the end. Okay, so you're saying that that money you save, can you can pay it forward to your staff. Right. Okay, right. got yeah. you. Um, so, go ahead. So that leads into you know building a staff that you know doesn't waste stuff because they're 
you know, being treated improperly. So it's, it's it, very it similar builds into a whole yeah. community. Yeah, man. It kind of yeah. leads into the whole concept behind open book management. Like right. here's the reason why, like, you know, we open up our numbers to you. So, you know, what we're spending and we're doing all these things. And if you really live to it and serve to do right by your people and it shows in the numbers and they understand why you're making these decisions, everybody kind of leans into that, that way of thought of like, we need to do this because in the, in the end we all come out better, you know, the other end. Uh, good stuff. So you're talking a lot about strengths, weaknesses. It sounds like a lot of uh, at this time, what you're, you're thinking about culinary weaknesses and the strengths you want to pick up from them, like on the culinary end. But what about the business mentality? Like, did you have good business mentality or who? Um, I'm, I'm very much like, let's do, let's do, let's do. Um, Mitchell's super financially or fiscally responsible, which is, um, actually like played, played into my, you know, uh, my individual life, uh, as well as my professional life, just, you know, like, um, you know, these, all of, all of these partners have their hands in multiple pots, you know, Lauren, Lauren, um, you know, trades some stocks some, sometimes, you know, like, um, so we're, we're constantly talking about, you know, what's, what's going on in, in business in general. Uh, so let's, let's, so zoom, learn- let's zoom the 30,000 feet real quick. So, uh, you join this team. Uh, you guys all realize that you work well together. Uh, you're working for somebody at this time, right? At Tavala, mm-hmm. these yep. who, what, what roles were all you playing? Like, what uh, so you were the chef? Lauren was the chef de cuisine. Uh, Mitch was. I mean, this was a three man line. You know what I okay. mean? Um, Mitch was uh, saute one, and I was garmage. Um, and so it was like a sixteen burner across. Two guys making pasta and doing everything. Mitch doing all of the pastries. Um, and then I was doing all the, uh, you know, like day to day stuff and, uh, and, and garmage stuff. Um, but I mean, it was a pretty extensive menu for what was like, uh, a 12 foot line probably. So you guys are all, uh, all chefs and cooks. Um, and what about Shelly and she- Shelly is Shelly. Um, we're like the teenage mutant Ninja turtles, I guess. Okay. Um, and, and Shelly's our shredder. Okay. Um, she, she's in charge. Like, um, anything she says, like, I'm like, all right, you understand this way better than I do. Um, and you deal with people on a day to day basis. So she was at uh, Tavolo with you guys. What was her role there? Uh, she was, uh, I think she was just pretty much the floor manager, uh, or one of the servers. But before that she had been at Bizu, which is, um, a pretty awesome restaurant. Uh, that's old school French, a guy named, uh, Vincent owns it. Um, but just, just the general manager over there. And, you know, she okay. came over by happenstance and I, it just all worked out that, you know, um, all of the fish were in the same pond at the same time. And then you had Andrew too, who was more of your front of house guy with the song. Yeah. Background. Andrew, Andrew is, is definitely the, the front of house sommelier type. Um, but he started in the kitchen at Tabla, um, a year before I came on, he was, you know, the garmage chef there. Okay. Um, and, and got into wine because the garmage station is on the bar where the, um, you know, all the wine, wine people come in. So you really get a, an opportunity to learn about wine in that, in that, um, in that setting as well. So uh, when you came on scene, were these four people, uh, Mitch, Lauren, Shelley, and Andrew all talking about opening a restaurant with the wheels in motion? Um, I think that the wheels were there. Uh, it was definitely an intention. I don't know. Uh, we hadn't necessarily figured out what we wanted to do. Uh, and, and that, that again is where it comes down to demographic. We, we were traveling to DC to get Neapolitan pizza. So we came down, um, and, and the space opened up that we're in like 
like this one magical day, like, um, you, you, you can, you can ask, uh, Mitch or Lauren the story, but, um, they went and signed the lease and all of the cherry blossom petals just like swirled around them like this, <laughs> like manga video or, oh, you know, so it was, it was a very cool thing. Um, but it, it all, it was all very, uh, very much in flux. Like we had talked about doing, you know, a pasta pizza, you know, just straight Italian. We talked about, uh, you know, doing Spanish, um, you know, all kinds of stuff because they came from a restaurant called Moss before that, where they had both been chefs and, Mitch ran a big corporation called the VRC that's down here. Um, and it was like six or seven different restaurant groups that he was, you know, the chef of. Um, so like he, he, I mean, between the two of them, they, they have so many tools and facets that, that make a good team. And Shelly and Andrew worked in perfect tandem as a friend of house okay. uh, type of per, type of crew. Um, so, so you shame Shelly's kind of was she, when you say Shelly's the, the shredder, was she the one that was kind of like, guys, you're talented back there. I've got some visions. I, we, we can do something together. Like who brought this all together? Who's the one that kind of, said, uh, Let's I, would, do this? I would say that Lauren is the, is the guy with the hat on as far as okay. um, the visionary. Um, and that's kind of the role that he is. He has taken. He's, he's really run the build out of the steakhouse uh, while letting Mitchell and I focus on, on the kitchen aspects. Okay. Um, so Shelly and, Andrew can run the uh, front of house aspects, you know, so he has really taken on um, a GC type of role. That's, you know, not wasn't expected from a chef, um, but he, he's done an extraordinary job at it. Um, so when you say GC, GC, you're saying like general contractor, like pulling together. Like, yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like um, he, he's running a construction site for uh, like a 8,000 square foot uh, bank building that was built in 1900. We've had like a, half million dollars worth of asbestos that he's had to like uh, work with the landlord to get remediated. And, and, you know, he's really like, he, he's coming to his, his own in that aspect. Uh, yeah. So when this was all coming together, what was your role? Where were you shining? What was your, your key in all this? Um, so for me, I, the, the role has always been uh, that, that backbone chef who's, who's putting together menus um, uh, on the food end. Cause Mitchell is definitely uh, pastry pastry centric a lot of the time. And that's where he was at Tabla. Um, that's what role he's taking at the steakhouse, you know? So I've been focused on like the center of plate and, you know, those, um, those salads and, and, uh, started okay. type of op- operation. So yeah. in that role, in this process of, uh, coming together, uh, developing a vision together and, uh, you know, making it all happen as your role as like the backbone chef, like how, how did you, uh, how did you serve the team? How, what, what were you doing? What was going through you? What advice do you have for somebody who was in your position? Like, how do you make that process go smoothly? Um, so, so I mean, when we opened uh, Lampo, uh, you know, it was 16 hours a day, nonstop, you know, um, all this and that. And then, um, you know, we'd really talked about, you know, taking, taking the time to make sure that everybody's working 40 hours is paid fairly and this type of thing. So I took on the daytime role. Um, as chef where I was doing all of the daytime prep so that at four o'clock when the night crew rolled on, all they had to do was roll in, uh, go over a couple of specials with, with the other cooks. And, and, you know, that was it, you know, so you're nine to four and then four to, you know, midnight. Um, and that, that whole schedule worked out pretty good. Okay. What about the process of actually opening the restaurant? Like take us through that process of Uh, how you serve um, in that role. So, so, uh, Opening the restaurant, um, we did a lot of the construction ourselves. Um, so that was a really, really interesting situation. Um, 
where, uh, you know, I, I, like we laid the tile, we, we, you know, put up the ceiling boards. Um, so you guys got I mean, lean. You weren't, you weren't. Out, oh yeah. We, uh, we, outs- we had, we had a, a guy named, uh, John, John Cargyle worked with us and he was a, he was a contractor. So we had, we had, we were helping the contractor teams do that job, okay. which was really cool. Um, like, you know, like FR- FRP is, is that plastic stuff you see in every kitchen. Like I, I, I did so much of that. I never want to see it again. So why not get uh, out of the way there? Why, why did you guys choose to, to jump in and get your hands dirty in the um, process and not let, just let the, the construction guys do it? Well, uh, they were a small team. Uh, we had a very small budget okay. and we knew that if we pulled every favor in the book that we could, uh, reached out to every person that we had met over the years through that community that we had built and that we always talk about, um, that that was the only way that we were going to get this open at that price and uh, at the quality and quantity that we were. How do, you, how do you work through that, though? I'm curious because don't these construction guys, don't they have teams of people that they need to employ? Like, how did you um, work yeah, that out? Yeah, so he was, he was a smaller construction guy. He, he, had, he had a team of three or four guys. Okay. Um, you know, uh, do really, really great work. Um, and they're working on another restaurant across the street that, uh, right now it looks beautiful. Um, but I mean, uh, you have to think this, this space seats 24 when we opened. Um, and this is the biggest kitchen I've worked in, you know, aside from corporate. Okay. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's like a shotgun style building. I'd say it's probably about 980 square feet. Um, and we, had, we've since added on separate dining rooms and, and a patio, but, um, we opened with 24 seats, um, and th- that included the eight seat bar. Uh, so we we really like they focused on small pro- um, small uh, restaurants, and and so he was willing to work with us. Um, and you know, like we we did about half the tile, but then we realized that like somebody else is going to do this much better than <laughs> us. Um, so like we we were able to learn through those mistakes yeah. and doing stuff that hey maybe somebody is better at doing this than I am. Um, and, but, but I mean, we put our, our best effort forward. Yeah. And, and we did as much as we could. Yeah, exactly. And you gotta get lean. You gotta get scrappy. You gotta do whatever you can right, to save, right. to stretch that dollar. I totally get it. Um, so yeah. you guys open um, before the, we get to, into the actual opening, what was the biggest challenge in getting this restaurant together and pulling all these pieces together? Any like big hiccups, oh. any big lessons learned from the first time around? Um, first time around. Um, I would say like if you're going to build a restaurant, hire an architect and a designer. Um, they really do make your life easier. It's something you can do yourself, but, um, I mean like, uh, aesthetically, uh, I may not have the best intentions (laughs) as like an, as a designer would, I'd be like, well, I think that's cool. And they're like, that's not cool at all. Uh, you're going to waste like $2,000 on something that yeah, they get the experience. You, only you enjoy. Yeah. Um, so I think that that was, that was one of the biggest things we worked with somebody named, named uh, Stephanie Williams for, for the first. And she, she actually is our design as our architect for prime. Um, it's been really great because she, uh, she is pretty real with us. She's like that, that doesn't work. Um, now does she have ex- experience with, with restaurants? Is she a specialist with restaurants? She, she, she specializes mm. in restaurant architecture. Um, well, and, there's a whole I mean, like, like, uh, like psychology that's behind that stuff too. Right. So it really good right. pays to go to a specialist. Um, what was one thing that she did that you guys wouldn't have thought of that has had a big impact? I mean, one of the things that was really awesome, uh, 
the health department is 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 usually the biggest bear with any space but working with her she's so knowledgeable about you know the, the health department and, yeah. and their needs and like where the doors need to be yeah. and this and that. Cause I mean, like if I was just putting up the wall, I would have put the door, you know, wherever. And, and she's a, just like a, the ADA compliance, the health department compliance, like this one needs a closer. It's just like, well, why does it need a closer? Nobody cares. It's like the health department does. And you know, that's huge, it was those you, things yeah, you, you go through, at the you, beginning that we didn't have to do at the end. And you do. Yeah, exactly. You, you go through, you do all these things. If you don't have enough time and money to do it right the first time, you think you're going to be able to like start over and make fix all the mistakes? I mean, it's it's expensive to fix mistakes, right. uh, especially with construction because you got new material, yeah. new, more hours. You got to right. you know fix you not know, just you, you don't you don't just like build something new. You got to break down what you did wrong the first time. That costs money, and then you got to bring it back up again. Uh, yeah. it's a, it, it really adds up. Um, so that's right. a huge lesson there. Um, so you guys also spent some time in Italy too. Didn't you do some traveling? Didn't you really research the whole Neapolitan pizza thing? Wasn't that a huge process? Um, so I wish that we had spent some time in Italy. I don't know where I, um, we spent a lot of time in DC, uh, with this, uh, guy called the Tory, um, or named the Tory. Uh, he's with the VPN America. Yeah. Um, and that's really, that was a, that was big for us. What's what's VPN stand for? Um, Oh yeah, I'm going to butcher this Italian. Um, (laughs) It's it's a vera productione is something yeah, art with better art. than I can um, <laughs> but but it's it's the whole DOC type of mentality but it's it's in the actual way that you make pizza mm-hmm. um, where you can only use water flour yeast salt and you can only top it with you know San Marzano tomatoes that are DOC with buffalo mozzarella that's DOC and really learning like. Um, like he would just be like, no, you're doing it completely wrong every single time that we were training with him. And it's like, okay, all right. But like, once you have that aha moment where you're like, you're just like, yeah, I get it. I get it. It is just pizza, but yeah, I get it. All those little um, things that took th- hundreds and hundreds of years to get just right. right and make an right. impact. Yeah. And you know, the oven that we use is, you know, a 2,500 year old oven wow. that, you know, uh, well, it, Technology is 2,500 years old. We don't use it. It's 2,500 okay. years old. But, um, the technology hasn't changed in 2,500 years. It's still the same. It's still the, you know, uh, opening, opening height to the dome height. You know, it's, it's um, you know, not much has changed in that aspect. And it's the original convection oven. It's pretty awesome. So I'm curious, uh, we're, you know, you were talking about demographics earlier. Why did you uh, decide that Neapolitan was the way to go? Um, so, I mean, it was the one that was coming up, you know, Roberta's was becoming popular. Uh, we were traveling to DC to go to like places like two Amy's and Manamale, where Atori, which Atori owned and, and that type of stuff. Um, so like we, we knew it was coming on hot, um, the whole wood fired oven thing. Um, and this was just one, one layer higher taking, you know, the ingredients to a certain point and like guaranteeing people that they were going to eat that particular thing was really big for us. So you're, you're kind of capitalizing, you're kind of veering to the future. You're seeing uh, Neapolitan pizza coming up on a rise almost as, as a trend and you decided to ride right. that wave. Yep. Okay. Oh yeah. Um, and who doesn't love pizza? I mean, yeah. that's one of the, that's yeah. one of those demographics that never changes. Okay. Um, people uh, margins always are huge love pizza. Too with pizza. People don't realize the flour and water is a good way to go. <laughs> right. Um, right. Which, which allows us to use better ingredients. Mm-hmm. Cool. So. Interesting. Uh, so the other thing I kind of want to get into is the, I guess the chemistry of the team. You have five owners, right? Yeah. Andrew, Shelley, yeah. you, Mitch, Lauren. Uh, mm-hmm. How do you guys, how, how do you know to stay off each other's way? How do you not have one person that's, 
you know, got, got the big head. How do you, how do you balance all that with five owners who makes the decision? Um, it, it's, it's, uh, it's really tough, but we all really work really well together. Um, it's, it's like having, it's like having a basketball team out on the court. Um, you know, it, and in this case, you have a bunch of five tool players. So you have, you have a lot of people who want to take the ball, but they're all willing to, you know, give the ball to somebody else okay. for the better, better good of the team. So how do you know when to, how do you know when to pass the ball? How do you know when it's time for somebody to have, have the ball? Like, how does that work? How's do you guys right. identify um, roles? I mean, I, I, we, we talk about it. Communication is like the biggest thing in a partnership. Um, if you can't talk about stuff with your partners and you let it boil up and boil up, then I mean, it's going to be a failed partnership. You see it a lot. Um, so, I mean, like if, if like, if, I'm frustrated with something. I just talked to somebody about it. And it's just like, Hey, I feel like I'm taking on more in this, in this category than I, sh- I feel comfortable taking on. Can you help me out? Um, and, and usually that person's like, yeah, why wouldn't I help you out? Like, so, um, it's, it's really like knowing when, when you need to ask for help and asking for it in a partnership like this. So um, is that something that you guys got really clear about in the, the beginning? Like if, if, you know, we need to have good communication and like, yeah, is there a yeah, process? No, that was that? always, that was always 100% of it. Um, you know, like, Hey, you know, like we need to, we, we have all this product that we need to move. Like if you can't talk to your front of house partner and be on the same, same, um, same line, then like nothing's going to happen. So you know, it was really like upfront being like, Hey guys, like as long as we talk about stuff, we can, we can really like form a big restaurant group and, and we can start adding, you know, people to it and, you know, it really starting this culture. And that was pretty much like the moment that I was like, I'm in on this group when I, when I had like sat down with all of them and we all talked about that and about, you know, communication and, you know, like that it's not just any one person. You know, it's, it's all of us as a team. How do you keep that culture strong? How do you make sure that after four years of showing up, like you're all on the same page? Yeah. Um, well, I, I think that it, it's a true testament to, um, the fact that we all work about 40 hours a week. Um, we keep a consistent work schedule. We communicate all the time. Um, and you know, like we're the type of partners who, even after we're done working for a week, we still get together on Sunday and we have like a little meeting about, about what we need to work on, about things for both restaurants. And, you know, like sometimes we'll go see movies together. Mm. We'll, we'll do that type of stuff. We're hanging out outside of work too. Um, we're not just, you know, like, oh yeah, we're friends because we all work together. We're, we're actual, like we're friends. And yeah. that, that's something you don't always see. Why is that so important? Some people say <laughs> keep work away from, from life. Um, well, I mean like, uh, in a, in a small community where you, where, where you're, you know, I hate to say it, but as a chef, you're looked at as a leader. You can do a lot. You can, you know, set up um, non nonprofit uh, you know, you, benefits. Why you do you hate do to say that? Stuff. You said you would hate to say that. That's a good thing. Isn't that a good thing? <laughs> um, well, I mean, like, I, I don't, it, it's, it, to me, it's a wonderful thing, <laughs> yeah. but I, I don't, I don't know that everybody would necessarily look at chefs as a leader, but, um, but, but I mean, like it, it comes up a lot. Like um, pretty much anytime there's a fundraiser, people contact us you know, and it's like, I'd, I'd love to help you out. How can I help you out? Um, so I, I think that was, that's, that's also really big in, in how we do, um, stuff as a business. So for, with five owners, um, I mean, you guys, are you profitable? Like how do you justify oh. splitting the profits that way? Five ways. I feel like a lot of people might think they might not be able to make enough money with five owners. 
Right. Um, well, at the end of the day, if you're in this for money, you're not doing it for mm. the right reasons. Yes. Um, if you're in it for the right reasons, the money will come. So I 100% agree with you. So, I mean, how does That's that look? A yeah. young person. How does that look? I mean, I'm right there with you, man. You need to get into this industry because right. of the work that right. you do, because you love the work that you're creating a situation for yourself where you don't need work-life balance because you're going to work right. every day doing exactly what it is that you want to do. Mm-hmm. So is right. it safe to say that all of you are going to work every day doing exactly what you want to do? And if so, then how much money do you really need to make right. to have that? Right. Um, well, and I'll also say this as, as a hospitality member, you often look at, you know, the dollars earnings, but the, like, it's rare that I've ever been in the hospitality industry where I've gone somewhere where I didn't know somebody to eat and didn't get something that a normal person wouldn't, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I'll go and I'll go and like, maybe get a free salad. Maybe I don't get paid as much as everybody else, but that's fine because some, like the, the community where, where they send, like, it'll be like, Hey, I'm really excited about this dish. I'd love for you to try and give me feedback. Yeah. You know, like okay. those aspects, you know, kind of mitigate, uh, less earnings sometimes. Tell me why you think you're better with five owners versus one owner with one guy up or one gal at the top making a bunch of money and everyone else scraping to get by yeah. the minimum wage. Why are yeah. you stronger? Why are you better because of that? Mm. Um, I mean like, Voltron, Transformers, all that type of stuff. It was never one person made those big bots, right? Yeah. It was all the people together. Um, so <laughs> if, you can, if you can build a big machine, why wouldn't you build a big machine even if it took five different cogs? Like mm. I'd, rather, I'd rather be, you know, like you could be the biggest fish in the pond, right? Yeah. Or you can be a medium-sized fish living in, you know, an ecosystem that's thriving. Okay. Um, I'd rather, I'd rather, I'd take, yeah, I'd rather, rather be that. that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know? uh, but the, I mean, how many employees do you have? I'm curious. Uh, um, I think we have like about 20, 20 employees. So is that including you guys, the five of you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so all you guys of us make work. up one fourth of the employee, uh, like yeah. count. I think that's yeah. huge, man. Think about the impression that you have. Right, I mean, right. Um, each one of you gets two people to focus on. Right. Yeah. And, you know, when we really do take that time to focus on people, um, you know, like, uh, one of, one of the, one of the girls here recently got married and, you know, we were all invited to her wedding. Like you don't usually see that at a, at a, uh, at many restaurants. It'll be like, Oh, well, uh, I guess some of you can come. Um, yeah. um but she invited all of us. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and so that speaks, that speaks volumes as well. I mean, the point that um, I'm trying to make is that in this industry, I've learned it's, it's the, the organizations that are transformative, meaning that right. you need to take the people that come into work for you and you literally transform who they are as people. You, you give them values, you give them knowledge, you give them, you know, you, you give them basically the foundation to be a good upstanding citizen. Right. And you transform them. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you, then you, Eventually, if you have this impactful restaurant that's crushing it and you can create opportunities for these people that you spent three, four years bringing them up, giving them these skills. Now you're going to open another location, uh, Prime 109. And I, I'm, I would imagine I, we haven't talked about this, but I bet some of the people that are part of uh, Lampo are helping you open Prime 109. Right. There's probably going to be some really good opportunities for these people that yeah. came up with you. Am I, am yeah. I stressing yeah. this? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, um, so like uh, all of our employees in the kitchen do a day on dish. Um, we didn't have a dishwasher for like the first week that we worked. Um, 
because like the opening was so crazy. Like literally we were putting tables together 10 minutes before we opened the doors in the parking lot, you know, uh, like three of the five of us were, were doing construction all the way up until five. Well, you know, the two others like rotated in and out with them doing prep and like setting up. Um, so, you know, like Aaron, Aaron has been really great for us. He's, he worked at a pizzeria that is a couple miles away. Um, and was working in another restaurant, had the night off and came to wash dishes. And, um, you know, we, we grabbed him. We, you know, we're just like, Hey, like you have a particular skill set that we need. Um, and you know, like I've watched him transform over the last three years from, you know, this like young kid who, you know, like was living the life, like saw, saw chef, chef life is like, this is like where the party's at. This is like the Jeremiah towers, like type of situation. Like, cause, cause we, we, we pack it in. Like people come late night. We're, we're one of the only late night places in, in Charlottesville. So, um, you know, so he, he saw all that and then he quickly realized like, wow, if I put my head down and like, listen to these guys, they have a lot to tell us. Um, and, uh, you know, I've seen him blossom into somebody who, uh, you know, like in two months, has every potential to take over this restaurant uh, when, when we go um, with some mentorship because Lauren and Mitch are going to uh, stay behind him on the day shift uh, when we open just to make sure that there still is that not absentee owner syndrome, um, you know, so that there's constantly somebody that is passing the torch off to the next guy. And, um, and that's a key lesson right there is that you, you can't grow your business until you've grown your people first, right. because it's those people that you're growing, you're grooming. They're going to replace right. you when you go right. to, uh, take on the new adventure, the new challenge. Uh, right. there's other variables like systems, processes, procedures that come into place too. How are you there? Are, are sure. you, are you building those up or, or is that in place or are those systems um, or processes? We're, we're building those up. Um, uh, my, my brother is, is a, is a tech wizard out in Portland. Um, <laughs> so he's been helping me out a lot with that. How's he been helping? Uh, What's that look like? Um, he's building, he's building a, a website, um, which, which is actually going to be really, really cool. Um, it's something that he's going to be pitching to other companies as a template, but, um, where when we update our POS, like, and say there's a count of three on something and it gets 86, it automatically updates on the website. Okay. So like, so like when you're looking at it and you're like, well, I mean, the menu is different and it's like, yeah, it is because, we ran out of that, you know, particular steak because we're going to be cutting a lot of custom steaks to order where it'll be like, you know, 120 day dry aged rib ribeye that, you know, is a particular amount of ounces. And, you know, we can only get a couple of those. Um, so we don't want people to come in with the mindset that, you know, oh, I'm going to have this and, you know, not, not necessarily be able to have it because the menus, I, I feel like on a lot of websites are outdated or yeah. uh, misrepresented. Okay. Um, so you guys are about to open uh, Prime 109. What's going on differently this time around? What do you guys learn from the first experience that you're um, doing differently uh, the second time around? I think that we're putting a lot of, a lot of the same thought process into it, um, but we're adding layers uh, like technical layers, like HR, like that type of stuff. Um, you know, um, the internal, like, more break like when you have a bigger company like that you have to break down you know departments when you're doing cost of goods rather than just you know like basic food basic wine like beverage basic you know like labor like there's a lot more facets that we're having to take into account um which has been been pretty easy to deal with 
Um, so, but uh, I mean, again, it's just tedious from time to time. Mm. So what makes you think you're ready for location number two? What made you guys say like, oh. let's pull the trigger on this. It's time. Well, um, we see a need in our, in our area for a steakhouse. Um, and you know, we, we did a lot of the R and D here at Lampo, uh, for it. Um, we teamed up with a local slaughterhouse to, um, you know, dry age all of our product for us. And, and, you know, like through vertical integration, we've been able to take on investors for the steakhouse that, um, are the farmers. So, so we can control, you know, how they grow, you know, when they're coming, um, you know, if, if a particular like fat content was weird, we can be like, Hey, can we try a different sire on that one? So, I mean, we're getting into the animal husbandry mm. like portion of it and like that amount of control for, um, for a restaurant and, and for a chef is huge because, you know, if you can see, um, where things are breaking down, you know, where there's that hitch in the cog, you can fix it individually. If it is an individual thing, like the butcher shop sells stuff to the kitchen. Like if there's a problem in the food cost, the butcher shop, like is the bottom line there. We got to figure that out. So you, you saw an opportunity to do something that the community needed that, and you got saw an opportunity to do it at a level. Nobody's done it yet, but what made you think personally, the, the, the emotionally and operationally that you guys were there? Um, uh, we're at the point, we're at the point where we need to grow as a team, um, we're wanting to do more. Um, Why do you need to grow as a team? What, what, what's, what's that need? What's causing that need? Um, just, just our desire to, um, just our desire to, um, you know, really impact the community. Like if, if we build a big community, um, of, of chefs and of, um, of food and of people like, uh, and farmers, we're really like creating something sustainable. Um, when a lot of restaurants say they're sustainable, this is really the only avenue that we saw that really fits that build, um, where we're taking, you know, um, we're, we're taking a restaurant and, and we're creating a community around it that is people like the farmers are going to be bringing people Mm -hmm. that they want to bring in. The university is going to be bringing people, um, you know, so just building that create opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Creating opportunity is the biggest thing here. Um, and are, is the there, bank- are you running out of opportunity with your current location? Are there people that need um, avenues, verticals to, to grow? Um, well, I mean, like we can't do larger parties. We can't do. Um, so like if, a, if the football team wanted to come in and do something like there's no work for them in town to do that. Yeah. Um, so they're ending up going to Richmond or something else. So we want to keep the, um, the money and, and the people in our community. Um, so the best way to do that is to build a larger restaurant that can facilitate everything that they need. Um, you know, like the farmers, like we can guarantee them, Hey, we're going to buy 50 cows this year. So they can plan like for three years that we're going to buy 50 cows. You know what I mean? Like, uh, cause it takes 24 months to grow those, you know? Yeah. Um, so they can plan for their future. Um, so if we can all plan for the future, then everybody's really in a good spot. I dig it, man. So anything we haven't, touched on to this point any thoughts that have come through your mind during our conversation uh that haven't been able to go through your mouth that you want to get out right now before uh we start to wrap up the free flowing um, part i think that one of the only things that uh i can think of that comes up a lot is um once you've achieved that chef's chef level never be afraid to go down and be you know a salad cook or or, or do that um you know like 
you're never too good to do a job that that's something that, you know, I learned really, really early on. What's, um, what's the impact of that mentality? Um, I mean, you don't, you don't go into many restaurants where you see like the owner cleaning out the grease trap, you know what I mean? Um, so I mean like, just like get down and dirty. If you're not willing to do it yourself, don't ask somebody else to do it type of thing. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to do it. And I think I've actually had this argument with two other, uh, I wouldn't say maybe they're consultants, people on another podcast. And I said, go clean the toilet every once in a while. And they said, I don't think that's where you want to be. And I I didn't fight it, but I'm right Right. there with you, man. Like you should create a situation for yourself where you don't have to go clean the grease strap or the toilet, but you choose to do it. Not because somebody else can't do it because the act of showing people that you're willing to do it, it's not the best use of your time. No, but the, maybe it is because you the, what you're going to communicate because of it you know the the, the impact right. the the you know it, it it's more than just going through the motions it's you're communicating to your people what you're willing to do uh you know make it a point once a month to show your people that you're not willing to get dirty or that you are right. willing to get dirty sorry um awesome so one thing i want to get back to doing is asking about failures before we move to the speed round uh right. so we've been talking a lot about the come up and some of the challenges the things you figure out you figured out along the way but what's one thing you really screwed up man what's one thing that like you were like wow that was uh, a bad decision uh i learned from it and i can help other people not make the same decision oh that's a big one um for a long time in my career i focused on what I could have rather than what I had. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that taking the time to realize like what you're doing at a certain point in time is really indicative of where you need to be at that point in time. Um, what you're so, doing at that point in time is really indicative to say that one more time to where you need to be. Um, so like if, if like when I was at Mercado, like sometimes I would get really stressed out cause it was again, a two, two person line doing, you know, a 200 person thing, but that's where I needed to be looking back. That's where I needed to be, to be where I am today. Yes. Why you know, Why'd so you need to be there? I, I needed to get my ass kicked. I needed somebody to, you know, um, to tell me that I wasn't doing a good job, um, to critique my knife work to, you know, like really be like, Hey, uh, this is great, but, um, yeah, it's not going to work for me. Awesome. This has been a great conversation, dude. We're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors. We'll be right back. To be unstoppable, most restaurants require a little extra capital from time to time. It happens, right? Uh, when you need funding to like renovate or buy equipment or manage cash flow, you don't have time to just track down financial statements or wait weeks for a decision. And that is where Cabbage can help. Cabbage gives small businesses access to a line of credit of up to $150,000. And if you apply online, you'll get a decision right away, which is pretty awesome. Since Cabbage is a line of credit, you can take the exact amount you need. You'll never have to reapply to take out additional loans, and you only pay for the funds you use. Yeah, you're impressed, and I haven't even gotten to the impressive part. Cabbage has helped more than 130,000 businesses from every industry with over $4 billion in funding. Like, awesome. Cabbage is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau and was named a Forbes Top 100 company not once, but twice. Check out Cabbage at Cabbage with a K dot com slash restaurant unstoppable and you'll get a $50 gift card when you qualify. That's Cabbage, K-A-B-B-A-G-E dot com slash restaurant unstoppable. Line of credit is subject to credit approval. See terms and conditions. All Cabbage business loans are issued by Celtic Bank, a Utah chartered industrial 
Bank member FDIC. Everyone loves processing invoice after invoice. It's the best. (laughs) Not really. Just the sight of a filing cabinet is enough to make you sick, right? It doesn't have to be that way. With Sorcery, there's no more manually processing invoices by hand and no more cutting check after check. With Sorcery, you can organize all of your accounts digitally, scan your invoices, and pay your vendors with just one click. It is easy. Sorcery offers fully managed accounts and statements reconciliation, so you no longer spend hours on the phone with your vendors and banks. That stinks. You now have the peace of mind knowing your accounts are being taken care of, and you can get back to work doing what you love, running unstoppable restaurants. Go to GetSorcery.com, that's G-E-T-S-O-U-R-C-E-R-Y.com, or call one 866 Mention Restaurant Unstoppable and receive 10% off your first three months. And say goodbye to your old filing cabinet and hello to the digital world with Sorcery AP Automation. And we're back. The first question I have for you is what is your it factor, a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe contributes to your success? Mm, I think it's a, a have to. Uh, I think that's from Rookie of the Year. Um, it's not if you want to. It's not if you're going to do it. You just have to. Is somebody just, asks you to do something, you have to do it. That's just an innate thing like that you were born yeah. with. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. Uh, what is your biggest weakness? Um, that I'll always have to. <laughs> How does that hurt you? Um, I oftentimes will take on... Uh, like, uh, like somebody would be like, Hey, do you want to, do you want to do this quick catering thing? And it's like, uh, sure. And it's not something I necessarily wanted to do or something that, you know, is fiscally responsible, but I felt like I had to do it sometimes. Um, what do you think that and, is? What, what, what do you think is driving that? Is it, I want to go uh, deeper here. I know it's supposed to be a speed round, but I think that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's been since I've been young. Um, just, you know, like I, I like doing things for people. Yes. Um, it makes me feel good as a person. Um, so regardless of, you know, the situation, like, Hey, I need you to, you know, take, take my mom's groceries and, or like across town or drive an hour. It's just like, okay, I will, um, please. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's that hospitality instinct that, you know, every, every chef, every restaurant person, you know, has inside them, but, um, next sometimes suppress it and maybe I should suppress it more sometimes as well. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, it's a good, it's a good characteristic to have, uh, to, right. to want to please, to want to make people happy, to want to serve, to want to appease others. That's what makes us successful is not, it's giving a fuck part of my language, but when we give a fuck about other people and right. helping other people, it comes back to us, but we can right. take on too much and we need to know where to right. draw the line. Um, and to surround ourselves with other people that to help out, you know, uh, right. and you can do more together. Uh, good stuff. So, so at this point, if I'm doing like an on the side catering thing, I really, really enjoy you as a person. Wait, what's that? At, at this point, if I'm doing an on the side catering thing, I really enjoy you as a person and I want to do stuff. For you, you know? <laughs> yeah, awesome. Uh, what's one question you ask or thing you look for during the interview process? Um, is there anything you're not willing to do? Um, usually if that has any following, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're not interested in doing whatever it takes to do the job that needs to be done. Um, and that, that for me, like, it's pretty much my opening line in an interview. Um, cause if I know that right up front, you know, like you could be the best chef in the world, but if you don't have a team, you're not going to do anything. Yeah. And if you can't, you know, control your team, you're not going to get anywhere. You need the will in this industry. That's right. for sure. Uh, what's a right. current challenge today? A uh, current challenge. Oh yeah. 
inventory control um, and staff management, really finding a, finding a team for a bigger spot like we have. Um, it, 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 it's just, it's a lot. Um, you know, you want to find all those, those keys that work properly. So, um, yeah, that's a big thing. So how are you cha- uh, tackling this challenge of inventory control? Um, well, I mean, like inventory is down to staffing too. Um, so really communicating with the staff of, you know, what, what I need, um, you know, we're doing the cost of goods for the restaurant right now. So really like, Hey, even if you taste a piece of like roast beef, I just need you to write down how much that costs for me or how how many ounces that was, you know, like I'm, I really want you guys to try this. Yeah, I just need your help. Are you leveraging um, so, any systems or tools to get better control of that? Um, so we have a couple of different um, systems that we're working with um, uh, to do that. Uh, but it, it, I don't have one that we've necessarily picked out for sure. But we're, we're, um, we're, we're working with them now. So we're compiling our, all of our data now. And, the, and like places like Sorcery and um, Chef Tech and that type of stuff, they, they do all the work for you, which is really great these days. Sorcery past current sponsor i think yes current sponsor. is it really yeah current sponsor awesome There's, awesome so uh that's a, always a good thing when the sponsors are being recommended that that uh right makes me yeah feel they do better. they do a great <laughs> job um our chef de cuisine at the steakhouse is uh from easton easton porter group um so he recommended them heavily and uh so we we've, we've tossed around working with them but haven't nice. haven't committed to anybody yet you know beautiful uh so staff management what what about there what are you doing to manage that how are you leveraging um, tools there it's it's really getting in touch with with uh with the staff and you know really talking to people and being like hey what do you who do who do you like to work with you know and, and reaching out in those avenues and um using their social network yes. to build a team um is, is really big like if somebody works really well with somebody but you don't know that other person and the only way that you're ever going to get to them is, is through that other person. Like it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty key to, to, to talk to people and understand that. Yes. Uh, share one code of conduct or behavior. You teach your team. This is a way to be uh, a way to act, a way to conduct yourself. Um, I, I would say, uh, uh, grace and hospitality. Um, you know, I tell every person that I see like, Hey, thanks for joining us today. And every person that I see leaving, thanks, thanks for coming in. I really hope that you have a wonderful day or, you know, sunshine, rainbows, that, that type of mentality. And, you know, it's really important for them to hear something right away when they walk in and to hear a thank you when they're walking out. So just, was that grace in hospitality or grace in hospitality? Grace in hospitality. You know, like sometimes people just don't know stuff too. Like, um, like this dry age, well, what's dry age, but taking the actual time to educate them, uh, tactfully rather than you know just like being like come on yes you know you have to know don't you read the internet or yes you know, um, don't break people down it, people i mean we're always yeah. learning new things if you if, if right. you meet somebody who says i know everything there is to know about the restaurant industry and food that's your first sign to walk away because they right. <laughs> nobody ever knows everything so be humble man yep Yep, exactly. Love it. Uh, what is one uncommon standard of service you teach your team? So this is something that's standard within your four walls regarding service, but not standard within the industry. Not everybody is willing to go mm. here to, to serve. Uh, if you see somebody with something on their prep list and you don't have anything to do, you're required to help them with that. Nice. What is one book that's a must read to make us a better person Ooh. or a restaurant owner? Uh, Zingerman's Anarchist Guide to Small Business. Yes. Awesome book. What's your biggest lesson from that book? Vertical integration. Okay. What is vertical integration? Um, so like at Zingerman's, they bought the dairy, they bought the coffee roaster, they bought all these things. So really like, um, and we've, we've played this into prime really big. 
um, by, you know, getting the, the beef farmers to invest in us on the front end. And they get money when we buy the cows, and, you know, creating this community through vertical integration yeah. um, by taking products that we own and selling them through another one. Um, and then you control the pricing, you control a lot of the stuff. And it's, it's really, uh, it's really one of the best ways to do business. Yes. And the way I think about this, uh, I'm right there. I love Zingerman's. I'm a huge advocate of Ari Weinswag's thoughts and beliefs. Uh, don't think of growth as outward. Everyone thinks like we got to grow out and it's, and, yeah. and they just build more, build more and they don't feel it with, with soul, but think of growth as what, Oh, how Ari thinks of it as vertical, but I like to think of it as going deep. Instead of going out, go deep. How can you transform your people? How can you make your systems dude, your systems dude. better every day? Do we saying dude? Right, right. Oh, <laughs> I, oh, you yeah. to- I was like, dude, that's so right. Yes, yeah, so like go deep, and then over time, that lateral growth growth gets forced because you need to create right. opportunity for people. Um, anyway, I don't know. I'm right there with you. Uh, share an online resource or tool that you leverage. Um. Online resource, really? Like, um, I hate to say it, but I I, I follow Chef Steps pretty pretty hardcore. Um, why is, why and, do you hate to say it? And uh, and everybody follows it, um, so I'd be recommending something that everybody already does. Um, but I mean, Instagram is, is huge for me. Uh, um, you know, like one of one of my friends that I'm going to recommend to you is uh, Jeremy Bluestein. He's uh, he has a um, handle called at kimchi juice he's the chef at almond in southampton new york um but that guy brings the ruckus he does everything um you know with koji with all these different things and he's pretty inspirational i met him um back when i was in montauk and and he's been really uh like i'll be like oh man i'm just not feeling it today and i'll look at his instagram or you know one of my buddies instagrams and be like oh these i'm gonna do that but different so great resource. And I think a lot of people don't realize just how much information is out there. So chef steps, if you guys, in case you guys haven't heard of it is a, a platform where chefs share knowledge basically on how to cook and you, you'll never know everything. There's always room to learn new things. So a uh, great, great tool there. Uh, what's one piece of technology you've adopted in your restaurant that has influenced operations. So this is like back of house, front of house, uh, ways you're being more efficient. You're like sorcery is a good example of this. You haven't leveraged it yet, but what uh, have you leveraged? Pepper plate. What is pepper, pepper plate is a great resource. It's a, um, it's a, um, recipe, recipe coding system that we've been able to put all of our recipes on. Um, and it takes it down to the gram. You can build, you know, a bunch of different stuff through that. Um, and it's really been able to, you know, every, every employee has the right recipe every single time. So it's an app on the phone, basically that you guys share these yeah. recipes. Cool. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's great. If you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your work, and your restaurant would be lost with your departure, with the exception of three pieces of advice, three pieces of wisdom you can leave behind for the good of humanity and for your legacy. What would it be? Or what would they be? Um, oh, really, you're a tenant of your future. Um, show people hospitality and uh, really do unto others as you want unto yourself. It really reflects sevenfold at the end of the day. Beautiful. Ian, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story, to share your advice. Uh, I've really loved this conversation. Uh, we wrap up every conversation by calling somebody out. You already mentioned his name, but mention it one more time. Uh, how Jeremy Bluestein of Almond Restaurant in uh, Southampton, New York. Jeremy, look out, man. I'm coming after you. And let the folks at home know if you want to maybe come join your team. It sounds like there's some opportunity in this new restaurant oh, yeah. opening. What's the best way to connect? Um, connect with us at uh, Prime 109 uh, or at Prime109Seville on Instagram or at uh, 109steaks.com. 
Beautiful. Uh, this is episode 480. Head over to restaurantsunstoppable.com slash 480. And I'll have links uh, in the show notes on the tools and services recommended, the books recommended, and how to connect all over there. Jeremy Redshaw, thank you so much for taking the time to join us to share your story again. Man, there is no questioning. You are unstoppable. Oh, thank you. There's no question that we're unstoppable. Thank you. <laughs> all right, buddy. Take care. All right. Talk to you soon. Cheers. Bye. Boom. Another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable, and it was a good one. Thank you so much, Chef Ian Redshaw, for coming on the show. I think there are some key lessons in today's conversation. First, let your weaknesses be opportunities for other people's strengths, right? Uh, you don't have to be good at everything. Know what you're good at. Let other people surround you who are good where you're weak, and together you're much stronger. Communication is key when you have partners. Uh, make sure you're talking all the time. Create systems around communication. Make sure you make time to check in with one another and you know where everybody is. Make sure you're all on the same page. And lastly, I love this idea of vertical integration. Ari Weinswag gets into it in his book, uh, A Lapsed Anarchist Approach to Building a Great Business. I'll link to that in the show notes like always. And this is episode 480. So head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 480. I'm not sure if I mentioned that in today's episode, but that's what it is. And uh, just, you know, I love this idea of you can be a medium sized fish in a pond with a great ecosystem that that concept of you know do you have to be the the star do you have to be this person with all this notoriety notoriety or can you be somebody who's doing something tr- truly great uh and creating this ecosystem for the people in your business for the people outside of your business and really exist to create this ecosystem that's just thriving for everybody you don't have to be a big fish you can be a healthy fish uh, you know it's, it, there's nothing wrong with that and everybody thrives in that scenario and really it's just one of these things that i'm learning uh so much to do with success in this industry i feel like it has to do with your personal happiness uh you know you're showing up every day to this job what really matters you know you only get one go at this life uh make it a happy one so awesome stuff today and uh i apologize uh, of the past week some of these episodes have been going uh live a little later than usual i'm still hitting my quota of three episodes a week but they're not going live and ready for you first thing in the morning starting wednesday so the next episode that goes live i'll be right back at publishing these episodes so they're waiting for you first thing in the morning uh, life has been crazy transitioning back to east coast uh, trying to uh, recover from an expensive trip around the world working overtime uh trying to get that cash flow uh picking up side hustles and keeping up with the content but uh i'm catching i'm catching stride we're getting back at it and i just want to thank you for your patience while i uh, get back and acclimated back home on the east coast so uh stay tuned more great episodes coming your way and like always guys please do reach out to me eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. let me know what your challenges are let me know who you want to hear from i'm always listening for leads uh keep those five-star reviews on itunes and stitcher radio coming the best way to support this show guys is by sharing it let's create a freaking community around this thing of people with similar values sharing advice sharing knowledge and understanding that we're stronger together and that's really what this is all about if we want to keep small business a thing and we don't want to lose the big corporations and franchises of the world uh, and just get blown away by those guys we got to work together we got to share knowledge we got to be there for each other so let's do it all right share the sucker that's all for today 
Thank you guys so much for sticking around this long. Until next time, peace out.